Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Well, hey everybody, welcome to our final week of Love in Quarantine. I am so glad that you're watching and with us online. And if you haven't yet, at this point, in the comments below, tell us where you're watching from, maybe what kind of drink you're holding as you're watching church here uh, today. Wherever you're watching from, know this. We love you. We are grateful for you. Um, And I'm just so glad that we're in this together. I'm glad that we have a community that um, is around us, whether through the internet um, or through little tailgating parties that we're having lately, or maybe you've been to the gym. I I hear the gyms are opening up, so uh, maybe you've been able to see people there, but wherever you've interacted with other human beings, I hope that you felt like you're not alone in this journey. And uh, this whole COVID-19 thing, honestly, a question that um, I've been wrestling with lately is this, what if we've spent our entire lives training for this moment right now? Like, what if everything that we've gone through, everything that we've learned has actually led us to this very moment where God has everyone's attention? Because uh, I don't know about your family, but in our family, God's got our attention right now. We are focused. We are listening. Um, There's some challenges that we're uh, facing. And so um, for this moment, uh, if you're a Christian, if you're part of the church, know this. I think that there's some really powerful things that God um, has prepared for you to be a part of right now. And this whole COVID thing is, it's not just an interruption, it's a disruption. And, And I think God wants to disrupt our lives to give us maybe some different purpose and perspective and, and maybe change some of the trajectories that we are on and, and give us a new way to live that otherwise, without COVID, we would have never listened, right? I'm just, if, if my finances are good, if my family's good, if my life's good, I just tend to hit cruise and I, and I head forward. But um, because of this journey that we've been on, I think God is speaking to all of us. And so we, we said, hey, in this time of isolation and being stuck in our homes, it's probably a great time to invest in marriages and invest in relationships. And from the beginning, beginning of this series, we've said this, we all want a marriage that we're thrilled to be stuck with. Uh, Isn't that true? We all, if we're going to be stuck in a house with some people, (laughs) we want to be thrilled to be stuck um, with not not just our family, but with uh, our spouse, this person that we've dedicated our lives to. And before we get into that too much, a couple things you need to know. Um, If you're watching this on Sunday, we just had a baccalaureate which is really exciting. We were able to help host a graduation for over 100 senior, our senior students, uh, seniors in high school. And so um, really excited to be a part of that. God's working through that. We as a church have a reopening plan, and you're going to hear more details about that as we're moving forward, about how we're going to get back to church. And, and at what point we're going to have all of you in this room with Yay. us because we miss you. We miss you a lot. We miss being with you. I miss worshiping with you. And there's something special about when the church gathers in one place together. It's just different than being in our homes alone. When we get to to sing together, hear the word proclaimed together, and worship 
together. And so we're really looking forward to that. And next week, before we move forward, I want you to know there's a new series that we're beginning. Uh, The new series is called Flipped Upside Down. And uh, we're talking through the Beatitudes, which is going to be really great. We're talking um, eight weeks, an eight-week series through the Beatitudes, which if if that's kind of a churchy-sounding word uh, to you, it's because it is. But Beatitudes just means blessings, that uh, Jesus actually defines being blessed in ways that the world does not. I mean, being blessed is something completely different than uh, the things that we tend to define it as. And and so I don't know anybody that couldn't use a little more blessing from God right now. And so uh, to understand what it means to be blessed is going to help us a lot. So I am really excited. I've been reading for a few months in preparation for this series and just stoked to get into that next series. But um, before we move forward in the conversation, I want to introduce Vern and Angela. Brangela. Vernjela. <laughs> that's I us. thought about not saying that because it's weird. But no, that's us. No, that's you guys. That's, that's you guys. Us. So Vern and Angela are great friends of mine. Um, we spent some great time together. We were camping together a few weeks ago down by Kings River. And so just incredible people. Um, and Angela's part of our teaching team. And so um, we just wanted to close out this series having a conversation about the questions that you've had um, over the past few weeks and the questions that we get as pastors all the time about marriage and relationships. So um, if nobody uh, online or, or somebody online doesn't know you guys, um, tell us some things about you, where you're from, what's your story? Well, I'll start off. And uh... There's an old saying that adversity leads to adaption. So we have had a life of adversity. Uh, We did 24 years in the military. Uh, We were in the army. Uh, We were in the infantry. And I say that because it wasn't just me. It's not just me out in the woods. It's us dealing with all those situations together. And, of course, the deployments, the stress, and the things that we had to go through with that. and that, I think, really drove us towards the times we were together coming together. Sure. But I, I have to say that we had a, a strong foundation as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents uh, married for 55 years when my father passed. You know, her parents, uh, 53 years and still going. Mm. And so we've had these foundational influences in our lives that I think helped us. Uh, and then the last one I would mention is the agreement we had when we were uh, first engaged that it wasn't just the two of us, yeah. that there was three of us involved in this relationship and three of us that were going to be, imagine like a railroad track with three rails. And as it goes off into the distance, those rails are just going to get closer and closer and closer to that, that point of convergence out there. And knowing that I was one rail, she was one rail, and the center rail was going to be God, and we were always going to be striving to get closer together. Yeah. That kind of sums up, I guess, us and me from my point of view. Well, and you guys have had Christ as the center of your relationship for a long time, and that's, that's part of why I wanted to kind of get your perspective on some of these questions, because we need perspective. You know, Amanda and I have been married. In fact, when you're watching this on Sunday, Happy anniversary. it will be 17 years on right. the 17th, and so... Um, and then you guys have how many years of marriage? 27. 27 years of marriage and both in the military, both active duty at, at one point yes. or another, correct? Right. So Angela, tell us some things 
about you? Right. So, and in those first 17 years of being in the military, I was four years active duty and then four years reserves. But in those first 17, we moved 12 different times. Uh, we know and so we know a little bit about trans transition. Yeah. And so just like Vern said, you know, that we had to um, build this adaptability and mm. be able to work through things that we didn't always pick. We didn't always choose. The army told us where to go and right. we followed. Um, we knew that God was in charge, placing us in different locations for those times and for those seasons. Mm. And um, we have been marriage mentors here at ACF. Yeah. But I think even before that, um, moving Moving in the military, we really tried to seek out connections and look for people that could speak life to our marriage, and then for us to be able to do the same, to look for other couples that we could speak into and, and help. Absolutely. Yeah. So you guys have been on a journey together, walked through some deployments, probably some separation yes. and, and managed yeah. to stay married yes. and to love each other. And I'm sure it wasn't always easy, right? No, it, no, it uh, yeah. there was some, I mean, when our first deployment started off when there was no such thing as internet, email, Skype, right. FaceTime, anything, it was, you know, our, what, a hundred days it was 88 days until I got my first phone call. Yeah. Wow. So, and that was a five-minute poor connection kind of call. See, some of the, some people so watching are I like, know, you I guys can't even imagine a day and a time but <laughs> exactly. where it was like that. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of letters, Letter postcards, writing. and things like that. And yeah. how do you continue to converge and move towards each other in those circumstances? It Absolutely. Was, yeah. And I love that you're Marriage Mentors. Um, if you don't know anything about that, it's a program that we have at ACF called Marriage Mentorship. And we uh, kind of connect you if you're dealing with some marriage struggles with a, another couple that is a strong couple that's been around and probably walked through some things in life. And we just create a space for a, a friendship to build and uh, some good uh, connection to be built and some honesty in that conversation right. to happen. And so uh, that might be something that uh, you want to be a part of here in the future. A few things as we've walked through this series. I want to kind of go back a little bit um, and talk about where we've gone so far. Uh, the first thing we talked about was this, that happy couples don't avoid conflict. They do conflict well. And this is really important. And you guys have learned this. We've learned this, that avoiding conflict does not make a great marriage. In fact, if you're not having conflict, you're probably not growing as a couple. Uh, conflict's essential to growth. We also, uh, the second week said that saying I do means I'll spend the rest of my life unearthing the best in you. And so this is huge that when we're different, we're like oil and water sometimes that when we say I do, it's this journey of trying to pull out the very best in that person that we're married to. Uh, the next week we talked about this, that relational intimacy doesn't happen without a plan. So uh, you got to have a plan if you want to be intimate with your spouse, whether it be um, just uh, relationally intimate or physically intimate, that sometimes those things got to be scheduled, right? And so <laughs> after uh, Pastor Josh and his amazing wife Malia spoke, we went home, uh, Amanda and I, and we just said, okay, let's make a plan for this huh. stuff. Let's put it on the calendar, right? I know that sounds weird, but let's schedule time to be intimate with one another. It's not going to happen on its own. And then last week was awesome. I loved hearing um, from uh, Pastor Josh, his, uh, his parents, and some yeah. wisdom there, and from Mason and Jody, and you know, newly married couple, and just talking about expectations in marriage. And for me, like I listened, and the thing that I heard over and over again in my own mind was that it can get better. Mm. Don't you guys love that? Like Absolutely. marriage can just get better. 
And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the way it is. And even if it's great, it can hmm. get even better than it currently is. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time here, which uh, we've just got a few minutes here together, uh, just talking about some questions that we get all the time from you about marriage, about relationships, about um, dealing with this person in your life that you've dedicated yourself <laughs> Too. And so I want to get into those questions together. So we're going to launch right into awesome. this. Uh, one of the questions we get a lot is this. What does healthy compromise look like in a marriage? Hmm. What does that look like? Healthy compromise. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you guys start it off? Yeah, you're Tell reaching us. for a book. You I, got, mean, <laughs> I am. Angela's breaking out the book. Look at this. So that's a good way to start. All right, here we go. Well, I know, I know for me, and um, I love that you spoke on this a couple days ago in our devotion. Yeah. But um, I, I just am drawn to Romans 12, verse 10, which I'll read from the um, NIV first, and it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. But in the ESV, it says to outdo one another in showing honor. Mm. And in the New Living, it says to take delight in showing the other person honor. And so, and so for me, as far as having this healthy compromise, um, it doesn't mean that I'm always giving in, but it means that uh, we're having that conversation to um, just come to a place where we both, we both can benefit and not keeping score or anything like that. But Mm, what do you think? It's a good quote and uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and it's touch point for me is the word submit uh, again a small background thing is you know I've got almost 30 years of experience in seven different martial arts and one of the things I do right now is jujitsu and when I get the opportunity to go grapple with somebody and try to basically either choke him unconscious or break one of his limbs, you think about this as, this is an ugly, weird, nasty thing. Yeah. But through submission, we always have a smile. Hmm. Through submission, we always walk away friends from this possibly uh, horrific and stressful experience. Hmm. And it's very much the same. I I'm not saying that me and my wife go home and try to choke each other unconscious. <laughs> he only will show me arm right. bars. He doesn't but, show yeah. me any chokes. I'm thinking uh, Angela might win. So. <laughs> but again, you. when you go into these very stressful, uh, conflicted, angry situations, almost always submission is the way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ephesians 5 uh, that you're referring yeah. to is, is probably one of the classic submission passages. And I think many couples skip over the first part, which, just like you said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But then, you know, wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives as Christ exactly. loved the church. And so we end up feeling like this text is really about a hierarchy, and, uh, you know, you've got the man who is the head of the wife, like Christ is the head of the church. And so it can be used and abused as a way to take power over someone. And, and then you forget that the first part is submit to one another. And last time I checked, one another means hmm. 
everyone, right? That means both of us in the marriage, there's a mutual submission that happens in every good marriage. And and I would say it like this, that a good marriage is a submission competition, right? (laughs) So it's like, how can I find ways to lift up my my spouse? And then then they're more motivated and encouraged to find ways to lift me up. And it's this beautiful dance, right? It's not, it's less of a hierarchy that that I think uh, Paul's trying to give the church in Ephesus. He's trying to give them a dance that um, every good marriage uh, does, is that this, this mutual submission of one another, caring for one another, in big things and in small things. I think that's huge. I I cannot remember the exact verse and chapter, but again, in, I've always heard this phrase, you know, man, you have complete authority over your wife. But it was in Corinthians, I think, the very next sentence is, wives, you have complete authority over your husbands. Hmm. So it's, it does go both ways. It's the idea of being one flesh, you know, like we are, we are of one flesh, which, which means that we're going to care for each other just like we care for our own bodies, right? Which he says, like, you know, nobody, nobody would mistreat their own bodies, and so we care for our spouse like we care for our own bodies. Yeah. And so I'm sure you guys have never had to uh, compromise on anything over the course <laughs> of your marriage. Can you think of anything specific? Uh, a hard compromise? It can be stupid, too. Well, I remember one point in the Army— I was coming out of a rather stressful uh, job of company command. We were located up in uh, upstate New York. And one of the big jobs that was being offered to me was down in uh, Louisiana. <laughs> and the idea of going to this uh, rather remote base down in uh, Louisiana was, uh, I think a good word to be, anathema. <laughs> to Angela, she was not excited about. I know going you're to not Louisiana supposed to use towards the, word the Louisianians, never, but I think I used the word. I never want to go there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and and she's smiling about it now. But it was, a, it was a there were no smiles in the moment. There so, were not. Uh, I decided not to do that, and we looked around and we tried to compromise. You know what was going to be better for us, better for our family, mm-hmm. uh, and we. We actually did settle uh, on a job in uh, Colorado Springs with the Army. Yes, 300 days of sun a year, uh, fly fishing for trout anywhere I could (laughs) find. It was a hard compromise for me. (laughs) But uh, it's funny because two and a half years later, it came time to move again, and we moved to Louisiana. And, and it was probably one of the one of my most favorite places, really. Well, just the growth that occurred, the just the the church family that we had, even the location. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. ended up just being able to do and see just a lot of neat things that yeah. I'm and thankful I, for. I think the environment that you guys created there is par- probably part of what um, set you up to have a great time where you were, yeah. right? Because now it's not this place of bitterness that, you know, you're dragging your feet, but you're here, you're trying to care for one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so now you're in this place that may not be your favorite, 
but you're not so busy trying to hold it over your spouse's head Absolutely. that you're missing what God is providing you right in front of your face. And there's Absolutely. some of you that need to hear that about Alaska right now, right? Yeah. Uh, there's some, uh, pro- typically it's the ladies, right? That end up getting drug up to Alaska away from wherever home is. And uh, maybe God's got something really beautiful for you mm-hmm. here. And uh, this is an opportunity to see him at work in a place that you may have never dreamed of being, right? Absolutely. So I just, I distinctly remember a time in our marriage where we had two children and Amanda wanted three children Uh and we had to get together and have this big conversation. I wanted two, she wanted three. And so we compromised to three. So, um, (laughs) good job, Amanda. (laughs) Can't imagine life without you, buddy. Um, and I can't, and uh, that's how God blesses those things. And so, um, another question that we got was this, how should a dating couple take a healthy break? Like, what does it look like for a dating couple? Which I thought was a really good question. Uh, this is somebody who is wanting to honor God in their relationship. And for whatever reason, you're asking, uh, you know, how do I take a break and have it be a good thing um, in a relationship? And uh, the first thing I want to say to you is that it's okay to want to do this. Uh, one of the things I think oftentimes uh, dating couples start to do is uh, they, they start to think that they're married. And, and maybe even from a healthy place, think, well, we should operate like we're married because one day we will be married. And I just want you to know that's, that's not a good thing to do, right? You should treat that person with love and certainly um, follow the guidelines for relationships that um, we see in the scriptures to, to thrive as a couple. But you're not married yet. And so you don't have to feel stuck. You don't have to feel like you can't take a break. And uh, I've just known way too many ladies and guys who have been in a long-term dating relationship and felt like, well, I can't get out of it now. And they're seeing the signs. They're seeing, hey, there's something wrong. I, I'd imagine the reason that you want to take a break is because there's something not clicking in your mind. There's something that seems like it's not quite right. Either they're not a good fit. Uh, they're not going to encourage you spiritually. Maybe you've crossed some lines physically and you want to take a step back. And I just want to say, do it. Take a break. Take a, and maybe a couple steps for you would be to set a timeline. Um, you know, that's one thing we do with, with married couples. Uh, sometimes it's good to actually, uh, if, if a couple's considering divorce, to actually have a separation. And sometimes I'll encourage couples to do that as a way towards reconciliation. And so you might set a timeline and just go, this is how long we're going to do this little break. Um, and then we're going to get back together and, and talk about it. An- another thought would be to agree on expectations. Are you going to date other people while you're taking this little break? Uh, what, are the, uh, what are the phone calls going to look like? Or the texts mm. or the emails or whatever? Does anybody email anymore? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the TikTok's going to look like, I don't know. Uh, what is communication going to be like? I got a TikTok account, by the way. Oh, I just want to no. throw it out there. Find me, <laughs> find me on TikTok, friends. Oh, I don't have a lot yet. It's coming. <laughs> So set a timeline, agree on expectations, and just understand that it's good to set healthy boundaries in a dating Mm -hmm. relationship and in any relationship. And if you're setting boundaries and you're trying to honor God, then I think God's going to honor you in that. Yeah. I think those are great points. I would just make sure that you are uh, actively communicating those things to each other. When you set a guideline... You know, be assertive. Don't be aggressive. Use I statements on for what you want. Don't project onto the other person. And definitely repeat back. I mean, mm-hmm. these are things we teach and, and talk about in, in marriage mentoring, uh, where it's not just me throwing stuff out there, but by my spouse repeating it back to me, it, it, it honors me that they're listening and also confirms to me that there's understanding. 
Uh, I can think of, uh, you talk about, we want to act like we're married because we're going to be married. I can think of one, probably our first big, big fight when we weren't even married yet. We were still in college <laughs> and for, it, it, was an, it was an old thing with me. It was like every Friday night for three years, I would get together with some of my friends and we would play Dungeons and Dragons. And that was my one night a week. I did that do. with my friends. Yeah. And I think we just kind of skirted around it and we talked about it and we were like, oh, I was going to play. Well, just for a couple hours. And we didn't really pin it down. And I didn't really communicate that this is important to me and I just want to spend like till midnight with my friends. And that was never actively and properly, I think, communicated. So when, of course, the game goes a little late and suddenly... Angela's there saying, hey, what about me? This is our time now. Uh, boy, it's a big blow up. <laughs> and, and I think active communication on setting those boundaries, we probably could have averted that. Yeah. It's huge. Talk about those things and be clear and agree on those, those different boundaries. So that is absolutely yeah. huge. Um, next question that uh, we get all the time, mm. and uh, it's going to go maybe a little deep here for just a minute, is this. When is divorce an option? Uh, this is a really important conversation to have, and it's something that uh, a lot of people wrestle with. For many of you, maybe even most of you, you've, you've been touched by divorce in one way or another. Either a, a parent was divorced when you were a kid, uh, your parents were, or, or maybe you've been divorced once or, or multiple times, a friend. Um, I was looking up the statistics earlier that um, even within the church, about 46% of marriages end in divorce. 46%. So um, these are recent statistics. And, and contrary to popular belief, the percentage in the church is actually lower than not in the church. And so there is a correlation for those that are plugged into a local church that there is actually less divorce than those who are not. Um, there is a connection there. There's relationships there. There's support there. But the number is still way too high. Um, it's still, I just believe it breaks God's heart that there's so much of this happening. And um, there's all kinds of different scenarios. And so uh, this is a question. And before we get into really the, the biblical grounds of divorce, I think um, one thing that I want to start off with is this. Um, we're not into looking for loopholes, but our goal is always to love. And so we talk about this a lot, Amen. that um, in all that we do, we're not trying to find loopholes. Like it's not, I'm looking for a way around what God has for me. The goal is to love God and to love the people in our lives, like Christ loves the church. And so um, that's the goal in all of these things. And yet we understand that um, divorce is a terrible, a painful process, and, uh, and many of us are wounded by it. And, and even as we walk through these biblical grounds for divorce, there's not one single answer for every situation. Right. There really isn't. Um, and, and honestly, I, I don't know that we've done a great job in churches talking about it. Uh, a lot of people go to the Malachi passage, passage which is just the, that God hates divorce. You say, well, uh, I want to I consider divorce. Well, God hates it. And so then we end the conversation. And what I think people sometimes hear is, is not just that God hates divorce, but that God hates divorcees. Mm. And, and that's not what the text says. Right. God hates divorce because God loves you. It's really the truth. God loves you. He, he loves uh, who you're married to with all of his heart. He, he would die and has died uh, for you. And so that's the God that hates divorce because he hates anything that would tear you apart, tear your relationships apart. So we're going to go to the Bible, 
and Vernon and Angela are going to jump in as they see fit <laughs> with these different texts. Um, once again, if you're not a Bible-believing uh, Christian or um, if you're just watching this video uh, because you couldn't find the episode of whatever online right now and somebody shared this and now you're kind of with us, um, I understand that some of this may not mean anything to you, but for us, uh, the Bible is really the, it is the, the true line for all things marriage for, for us and I know for you guys and, and for us as a church. And so this is where we go for the biblical grounds for when is it something that is, is allowable, right? right. Um, because it's never something that's prescribed. And so know this, that even in the biblical grounds for divorce, the Bible never prescribes divorce. It never says, hey, this is, a, this is a good thing in any scenario. It's always painful. It's always something that is a break of the covenant that uh, we've made with someone. But yet, because, because God loves us and knows us, and because he knows that we're human, um, he does, through the scriptures, give us some different scenarios that, um, that a divorce can happen. And so, uh, the first seems obvious, and it's going to get more complicated and convoluted as we move on. Um, but the four, first grounds for divorce is this. Death. Death. So death really is a biblical... So if you're thinking, well, can I kill my husband? No, that's not, <laughs> that's not what we're saying. So no, no. no murder. But Romans 7.2 says, For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. And so one thing we know about marriage is that marriage is for this life, but not for the next, right? And so I believe that we'll know people in eternity with God. There'll be love there, but that uh, that marriage is dissolved upon death, you know? And so we spend eternity with this relationship with God, worshiping God as the center of our universe, not another person. And so, um, you know, death is a moment that, that that marriage is something that dissolves at, mm. at death. Uh, the second one is abandonment. Mm. Abandonment. So 1 Corinthians 7.15 says, But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. And so this is just the reality that if they aren't there, you can't create a marriage. And I've literally met people who have been physically abandoned, who are like, I don't know where my spouse is anymore. They've, they've left, they've moved, they're gone. They're just like not even present. And so this particular text is to, to help that person that is left behind, the innocent party going, I would reconcile, but I can't. I literally can't. And so at some point, and I know this, again, this gets messy because the question is, well, well for how long? Right. I mean... I mean, how long do they have to be gone or, or whatnot before I can fall under this? And, and again, this is, this is not a simple answer for any scenario, but I'm just giving you some text to chew on and some framework as, as you walk through this or even um, counsel other people as they're walking through these type, types of scenarios. Right, and I just would agree with you that that is um, just something that you, you're not made to do this alone. Mm. And so making sure that you do have people in your life that can help speak truth uh, to you, that you surround yourself with wise counsel, that you are reaching out um, and, and asking for help and asking for wisdom and making decisions. Yeah. Uh, the third one that we have that we see in scripture is this sexual immorality or adultery. So uh, Matthew 19, 9 says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Okay? 
So we have this idea of adultery being a, a way that, that that bond is broken, right? And, and once again, before we even move on, we have to say that this is not prescribed in all scenarios. It's not like, well, if there is a sexual immoral behavior or decision that's made that, okay, bam, just divorce. Um, that's not what's being said here at all. And in fact, in this text, there are um, two different Greek words. The first Greek is mokeo, which means adultery. And the second uh, word is porneia, which is where we get the word pornography. And that means sexual immorality. So we have adultery, we have sexual immorality. And in Genesis, it says that we become one flesh. So two people become one flesh. And yet when we commit adultery or there's sexual immorality in the marriage, it, it actually breaks that, that one fleshness that, uh, that God has given us. Yeah, and we have had friends that we have been able to walk through um, both of these scenarios. One did um, end in a divorce and one ended that they, that they stayed together and that they worked through it. So again, there is not one single answer that we can use these texts, but again, to surround ourselves with, um, you know, wise people, mentors, counselors, um, and, and take this to God in prayer. Yeah. I mean, one of the questions that, I mean, immediately bubbles up because I, I know that this probably touches some nerves and some of you have walked through this or, or currently are walking through a scenario where you had a conversation that you never thought you were going to have, where you heard that your spouse had, had wandered off in some way or another. Um, and so it brings up all kinds of questions of like, well, at what point is it okay to pull the plug, right? Um, at what point, if, if, if my husband or my wife has a porn addiction, um, do, I, do I pull the plug? If, if uh, you know, it's an emotional affair, which is something that you know, that's even more of a modern term. It's not something that my parents' generation talked much about, but it definitely has always existed when we start giving our hearts to another person that's not our spouse. You know, I mean, how do you even walk through that? You know, it, it's, it's hard, but you've got to... Understanding that people are still human beings. And mm. I remember something that really stood out for me, uh, one of the pre-deployment trainings that I went through uh, was designed to try to help marriages stay together while you're going to be gone for anywhere for 12 to 15 months. And the Army chaplain, I'm sorry, actually, it was an, I have to give credit where credit is due. It was actually an Air Force chaplain that said this really smart thing to me. And he said, look, mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. Uh, when it comes to a spouse that strays off, if it happens one time, you have the grace to look at it. Was this a mistake? And then the second time, was it a mistake? No. Now they're probably just stupid. And I'm sorry if that offends people, but <laughs> right? yeah. I, I, we've all I, been stupid. I've drifted <laughs> yeah. off once. I'm, that was a mistake. And I knew the, now I know the pain that was involved, but it still happened again. That was just dumb. And yeah. now in my relationship, we have to come to grips with that what was just stupid yeah. or am I being stupid and and finally the, the chaplain said but the third time it's evil sure you are dealing with somebody that is not concerned with repercussions they're not concerned with anybody's other feelings but themselves they've seen the pain that this causes in a relationship and uh, at least in that training session and it made sense to me I hate to say third time you're out, but mm. once is a mistake, twice is stupid, 
third time is evil. Sure. And that's a reality we have to deal with sometimes. Yeah. And again, this isn't prescribed for all situations. You know, it may be the first time. It may be the fifth time or, or whatever it may be. There's going to be a different scenario in that, all of your um, situations that you're going to have to walk through. And I think one of the important things as well is, is that both the person who is the offender has to take ownership. There has to be a desire to change, like, a, like an honest repentance that's going on in their life. But also for you as the innocent party, if you're the person that has been sinned against, you need to know that forgiveness is not approval. Hmm. Forgiveness is not approval. And that's one of the things that we struggle with in so many different ways. And um, man, if we just look at it with our relationship with God, I do so much that God does not approve of. I mean, there's so much in my life that God is not behind. And yet God loves me and forgives me and uh, welcomes me into his family over and over and over again. And so um, know that forgiveness is not approval. um, And yet we need to be willing uh, to be honest about bad behaviors and things that we're walking into. If somebody's unwilling to change, there is not an honest repentance. Um, There's a hard conversation that's got to happen there. Absolutely. Um, The last one that we have here, I don't want to spend too much time on it, is this, divorced by an unbelieving spouse. And so you can grab your Bible, look this up later. It's uh, Mark 10, verses 2 through 9. I'm not going to read it right now. Um, But this is just this idea that um, hardness of heart is really where all divorce comes from. There's some kind of hardness of heart in your relationship, um, whether it's from you or from your spouse, that is breaking down the relationship. And we see uh, Jesus and the Pharisees referencing something that Moses said about hardness of heart. But in all of those things, Jesus basically says, hey, when two become one, they should never separate. And even in God's allowance of there to be a divorce because of hardness of heart on one party's uh, side— it's never something that God is, is trying to get behind or wanting to happen. That divorce always is a broken bond, a broken covenant that does not reflect God's love for the church as he would want it to. And so I want you to wrestle with those. Again, that's a framework to deal with. Another question that comes up in this that's loaded is this. I lived in an abusive relationship for years. Was it okay to get out? Somebody text that this week. I lived in an abusive relationship. What about abuse? Is that an okay time to get out of a relationship? And I would say, once again, Vern just brought up, I think, some good structure, right? As a simple guideline. We have to, be, we have to balance that. I mean, if, right. uh, if, if one time as a mistake is something that is endangering your life and well-being, then that might be enough. Absolutely. Say, go get help. Get out. And get out of that situation. If it was, uh, if someone... I know, again, going way, way back in time, uh, there was a, I was leaning over my sink to brush my teeth. And as I was, I had a very crappy, crappy medicine cabinet. And as it usually does, it started to swing open and I didn't realize it. Uh, And as I stopped brushing my teeth, I brought my head up, hit it under the medicine cabinet. And the next thing I know, I had glass exploded across the room because I had attacked that medicine cabinet. And Angela, my girlfriend, the woman I was engaged to, who was in the next room, basically said, I think you might have some issues with anger. Mm. And that was definitely a mistake. Punching a glass mirror, uh, I paid for it. It, didn't, it, 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 it hurt, and it, it left a mark. But it was a mistake, but if I was going to strike out 
forcefully in anger a second time at a piece of glass. That would have been just stupid. Mm. But if I had continued to strike out in anger, what was that? What does that say about me not wanting to improve myself, especially trying to improve myself after someone that I've invested worth in and already decided was very important said, this is something you should do. Sure. So anger management counseling. Yeah, it can be a good thing. Proud graduate because <laughs> yeah. my future wife yeah. thought that would probably be a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't punch mirrors anymore, by yeah. the way. No. Or glass in general. Yeah, I'd say there's probably a lot of guys watching that can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and ladies that have had anger issues and it coming out in that way. Physical abuse uh, can come from both sides. And even mm-hmm. in abuse, there's, there's different types of abuse. There's sexual mm-hmm. abuse in marriage. There's physical, emotional abuse. And at some point... Um, once again, a, a hard conversation must happen about that because right. if somebody is unwilling to receive correction, because there are people who, I mean, there's just a heart of repentance and there's a desire to change and there's a willingness to take a, a class, right? I mean, that's, a, that's an honest thing and going like, I, I want to keep my marriage, but I don't want to take a, uh, an anger management class. Well, mm-hmm. then you don't really want to keep your marriage. Like, and you don't really want to deal with the issue if you're not willing to do the hard work that it takes to get better. And so I would say that at some point this, this falls under abandonment. Mm. Like at some point there is like, there is, there is a willful abuser who won't listen to correction. And now, and at some point, somebody who's willfully abusing, Paul would say, actually somebody who continues to walk um, unrepentantly in sin, that we should treat them as an unbeliever. And so now you have a willful abuser who's abandoned you and is actually uh, living like and should be treated as an unbeliever at some point. That that happens where you, uh, with good conscience, can walk away um, and create space uh, from that person. Um, Proverbs 17.22 says this. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And I love that. I wanted to close out with that here today and close out this series with that text that, that there is a way to love the person that you're stuck with. You know, there is a way to have fun with this person and enjoy that person. Just be glad that you're in a house with that person. And uh, this may be one of the simplest pieces of marriage advice, but maybe one of the most often neglected is this. Why is it so important to have fun together? I think Vern and Angela, if you don't know these guys, they have a ton of fun <laughs> together. I think you guys excel at this. And, and uh, when I hear stories from you, I just go, man, I want to learn from you on how to just have fun with my spouse. Why is that important? I'll start because I had a smart lady tell me one time when I would introduce myself, I would say, I'm a mom of two kids and, and this is my husband, Vern. And she said, stop. You have that the wrong order. She said, you are a wife first. Um, She said, then, yes, you're a mom. Yes, you have other things that you're doing. But this guy, we're in it to win it. And so (laughs) I just, I I am so thankful for her perspective reminding me that I am a wife first. So I want to get to know this guy. I want to know what makes him tick. I want to know what he enjoys. Um, and, And just making sure that I keep that perspective of just getting to know him and being with him. So an example of uh, me and Angela set out to go hike through Resurrection Pass a couple years ago (laughs) down on the Kenai Peninsula. This is about a 40 mile hike and we had a plan three days 
you know, slow <laughs> stops and everything. And I think about 18 hours after we left the trailhead, we were at the other trailhead. And my feet were swollen. They were bruised. My knees hurt. My shoulders were aching. And I was like, what, what, what did we just do? That was terrible. That was... And, and she was just like that. <laughs> smiling. I loved it. And laughing. And it, the fact that all of our stuff was soaking wet and we didn't want to even put shoes on our feet because our feet were swollen. She was like, that was a fantastic trip. That was awesome. If I have someone in my life that has that attitude, I can do anything. Mm. And if she's right there with that smile and that attitude, I can do anything. And that's why I'll keep her forever. Yeah. I love it. What we realize is that good marriages take work. Yes. You had to to deal with some sore feet and uh, you enjoyed (laughs) your wife in some some new ways. Uh, And most of the things that uh, that we need to do to make a great marriage, it's going to hurt. It's going to cost you something. It's going to be hard. And the reality is nobody can hand you a great marriage. And in fact, the work oftentimes is what makes it worth it. Right. The work makes it worth it. In the end, the work is what makes it beautiful. And if you've ever stood back after a lot of work and seeing something that used to be sort of ugly become beautiful because you just invested in it and you had that pride and excitement, I just want to say a great marriage is just like that. You know, where maybe it's not beautiful and it's right now, it's pretty ugly, but you're going to put in the work and then one day you'll be able to step back and go, it is beautiful. And I'm so glad we were willing to put in the work to make it wet, make it better. And so that's our, our encouragement to you. Keep uh, pushing hard for a great marriage and for great relationships. And and if you're single for your future marriage and preparing your heart to be the kind of person that the person you want to be with will want to marry. And so I would love for us to just pray and close. Angela, would you pray for the marriages out there? I would love to. Thank you. Thank you. God, I just thank you so much for this time. And I just thank you, God, that you are above all, Mm -hmm. that you see all, that you know all each and every one of us, that you have formed us from our inward parts, God. And so I just thank you for loving us unconditionally. I thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy that is new every single morning. God, God, I just thank you for your faithfulness that is so great Mm -hmm. and that is new every day, God. And I just thank you for this time that we have had to... um, just soak in your love, Mm -hmm. to be in your presence, to speak your words of truth Mm -hmm. and of life and of healing. Mm -hmm. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that um, just transcends this place. And I just pray, God, that every marriage, every household that is listening, that they would just know that you love them, Mm -hmm. that you are the perfect redeemer, that you are the sustainer and the provider, God. And I just, I just thank you for um, the fact that we have this opportunity today to just come before you and to just give you all of the glory, honor, and praise. Mm-hmm. I just thank you so much for this time. And we just love you in the holy and precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 We'll see you next week for our first week of Flipped Upside Down. We love you guys. We'll see you soon.
Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.